minute 62. I'm your co-host, Rob, and uh, joined by Joe. I'm still here. <laughs> Think of how many more times you have to say that. Uh, um, this is uh, your minute-by-minute minute podcast where we discuss uh, and have a conversation about the movie Tombstone, minute-by-minute. Minute. This is minute 62, and in this minute, Doc is still playing poker. <laughs> continues um so it starts with him or with or or Wyatt I think approaching him and you know saying something about like he's been hitting it awfully hard mm-hmm. uh and I love this line that uh that Doc says and I try to use it whenever I can in life when he says nonsense I've not yet begun to defile myself <laughs> well <laughs> and I think something interesting happens here. I put on my headphones. I listen closely. So Wyatt tries to get him to go to the Crystal Palace. That's sort of like what he tells him to get him to leave. Um, I also enjoy how Doc's response is, I will not be pawed at. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you listen carefully, I'm pretty sure Wyatt says, I'm sorry. So he does. This is an interesting dynamic. Don't put your hands on another guy without, you know, like I, I, I still he he knows just like we do, and we've discussed at length. You know, if if someone's been drinking, you're not going to get it into their head that they should stop. It's not worth trying. True. It's just you know, you you hear your friend has been drinking and gambling for thirty six hours, and you're like, oh, what what should I do? And your tactic is like, let's go to another bar. <laughs> That's a, I mean, it is a good idea because like, as soon as he went outside and got away, the gambling buzz went a little way a little bit. I'm sure he'd probably just be like, all right, that's enough. And then and then once Doc, you know, tells him to like leave him alone, he's just like, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, what he probably was really hoping to do is get some food in him. And I did do some research. Oh, uh, after yesterday. And you're just weird, nonsensical ramblings about <laughs> how there, there's no way there could be pretzels in that bar. Uh, a very pretzels? quick uh, Google search found a blog entry from uh, a blog called uh, backinmytime.blogspot.com. Oh, it's a bl- uh, Oh, okay. Blogspot. Okay. That's canon. And it, uh, their source <laughs> is the book source, uh, Saloons of the Old West. Good title. Richard Erdos, uh, which was published in 1979. Um, and uh, it, it goes over what you might find at a 19th century saloon. And apparently, up until Prohibition, which kind of like killed this saloon business model, it was sort of expected that there would be a, a cheap or maybe free lunch served. And the oh. purpose of it was to keep people in the saloon. And uh, people who were drink get hungry. If you feed them, they won't have to leave. Ooh, and it lunch. also always contained salty snacks, which also make you thirsty too. Mm-hmm. Sure so, do. Uh, most bars had a daily free lunch special, and uh, for example, some uh, places would advertise things like a fried oyster, a clam, or a hard-boiled egg with every drink. I would not want a fried oyster from Tombstone. Would you? Um. I, yeah, getting an oyster that far west <laughs> seems 
difficult, <laughs> even on a train. Um, it, the best part of me finding this is they use Tombstone as an example, a recipe from a saloon in Tombstone as an example. Oh, let's hear it. The, in Wyatt Earp, it's pretty long, actually. In Wyatt Earp's and Doc Holliday's Tombstone, the Occidental Saloon served a Sunday dinner to tickle Doc's fashionable palate. So in this book, they, they use Doc Holliday as an example of why saloons served food and what they served. Did- and I'll just read the categories. So okay. they had, you could choose, uh, the Sunday dinner had a soup, mm. fish, um, uh, relieves, which I'm assuming is like an appetizer. I've never heard it referred to as that before. A uh, choice of cold meats, boiled meats, um, if a an entree, all of which appear to be French recipes to go with the, uh, the Parisian fashions that one would find there. Okay. Uh, and let's see, like a, a ragu was one of them with duck, mutton, and it uh, looks like a fish. Uh, there's also a, a variety of roasts you could pick, including suckling pig. Then it would close with a pastry, which I know is your favorite. Uh, I, and, love, I love pastries. And at the bottom of the menu, it said, and we will have it or perish. This dinner is served for 50 cents. Hmm. So it sounds like you uh, could get some pretty good food at a saloon. It does. And so what they would do is like, if you, I, I know here uh, where I live, a lot of bars will do a free buffet during uh, Packers football games at halftime. Mm-hmm. And that probably is kind of like the similar logic, you know, keep people there. You're gonna if you're sitting in there for an interminably long NFL football game, which are basically like four hours now. Uh, you're going to spend a lot on beer, so serving some sloppy joes or uh, chicken wings or whatever you might get at one of those buffets, pretty small expense to keep people there for that long. What other – I was trying to think of boiled meats, and all I could think of was hot dogs because I'm a child. Uh, hot dogs were invented in 1871, so it's possible. possible uh, one one of the dogs. boiled meats listed here is corned beef and cabbage. Oh, that does sound good. Yeah, I, I mean, you, like this sounds like a fan. It's it's a really fantastic me- uh, menu, actually. Uh, I bet you Virgil's wife um, makes what w- makes a mean, a mean uh, corned beef and cabbage because her last name made a name of Sullivan, huh? Huh? Callback. Yeah. The earlier little fact we learned. Okay. Good job, well, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I had no idea. Free free lunches. No wonder the cowboys hung around the bars all the time. You got a free lunch. Yeah, or at least very cheap. I mean, the, the, even 50 cents was obviously a lot more money back then, but that also looks like a an absolute gourmet menu, too. Most schools don't even give you free lunches. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I did some research. Oh, oh uh, did you? I was curious... Uh, what happens when you're sleep deprived? Bad things. Bad things. Um, moodiness, memory lapses. Um, this works out well here. You tend to eat more. Uh huh. Um, you make risky decisions, which uh, I think happens a few times in Tombstone. <laughs> it, it does. Uh, you also act unethically. Which also happens a bit in Tombstone. And this is interesting. Your smelling and hearing becomes less accurate. 
you, yeah, so your senses are dulled. Well, well I said smelling and hearing. I said nothing about your vision. I sp- okay, fair enough. Or your touch. Or your tasting, because you want to eat more. <laughs> okay. Tasting <laughs> is the most underrated sense, I feel. <laughs> just don't know what to do with you (laughs) let's continue on um so another (laughs) thing that strikes me as we go through like this this scene it is unbelievable how much these characters drink in this movie i mean people are just pounding shots of whiskey left and right the whole movie no matter what time of day it's amazing well in um, this minute and definitely tomorrow's minute are perfect. I mean, the rest of this week is like a good example of just people being drunk and saying and doing silly things. <laughs> I mean, like it's, uh, I, I just wonder, and it's like this in almost every Western, just like every time a character's in a saloon, they're just pouring shot after shot of whiskey and just downing them. And I, I wonder if it's just sort of a trope for this genre of film or were people really drinking that heavily back then? I mean, what else are you going to do? Go to Candy Bob's and get a sucker. <laughs> um, so now, speaking of uh, uh, interesting decisions, uh, we have Kate here who um, mentions that Doc can go all day and night and then some. That's my loving man. Have another one, my loving man. <laughs> I Her think accent she's, seems a little thicker in this scene than it does in other parts of the movie. She's been up late. <laughs> True. Um, and I think to continue on what we started saying earlier, she's a bit of an enabler. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that's a lot. That's a, a really big part of this film is uh, characters trying to change, people trying to change them. And, and the, the one character that seems entirely comfortable in his own skin is doc and he's found a woman that isn't going to try to make him change at all and that in a way that they're probably the happiest people in the movie definitely the happiest people in the movie do you think she influences him uh he strikes me as a sort of fellow who's going to do whatever he wants to do no matter what no cucks given (laughs) no um Uh, boy the and let me tell you the sweat guy was working overtime in this scene too yeah, just spraying him down with, like, <laughs> mist and, of water. Him and Ike are just covered in sweat. Well, so then Ike, like, the game continues, and then Ike, man, underrated Ike, says, loving man, you've been called. <laughs> <laughs> Calling someone a loving man uh, as another man in a game of poker sounds like a hysterical way to respond. <laughs> yeah, the, I, Ike is rocketing up the power rankings of characters in this movie as i've gone through the podcast uh i never really gave him his due but he's great yes he's he's such an idiot (laughs) (laughs) i love him i love ike um so then so then he loses and he's pretty upset about it and he brings up apparently this is 12 hands in a row that doc has won now I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Ike a little bit here, Joe. That does seem unlikely. It's very far fetched. Because <laughs> there's. It's but not how many just... times? How many times has he had to show his hand to take the pot, though? Too, you know. 
Oh, you think he's just bluffing them? Well, sometimes he might be bluffing people off, so he wins. Like it's not necessarily that he had actually had the best hand all twelve times, but still, taking twelve pots in a row—that's something. I would. You would be upset. Would you be upset if you were Ike? Yeah, it's it's almost as if the person who wrote this movie didn't have a firm understanding of the way poker worked. Well, I don't know. Are are we supposed to think that he's cheating? I don't know, because Morgan's dealing. And, yeah. and it sort of definitely implied, like, and I and I, I sympathize with Ike here, like, that the Earps and, and Doc are in all in this together. Yeah, that sort of creeps over to tomorrow's minute, but yeah. that's something I do want to discuss as we move through this. Um, watching this minute by minute, I kind of think Ike has a good point. Because <laughs> it, it can't, like, you can't go into that bar and feel like you're getting a, a fair shake, and then you lose 12 hands in a row. <laughs> Yeah, and then it uh, it further begs the question: Why is he there? Just go play cards somewhere else. Yeah, go to the Crystal Palace. I yeah, I don't. I, um, I but I think like Ike wants to beat him. Yeah, do you think Ike is? Where do you think Ike ranks in the uh, in the Cowboy Poker rankings? Um, you know, for that those bandits. I think he's probably not that good, but. I think Curly Bill is probably terrible. Curly Bill seems like he has absolutely no patience whatsoever. The fact that Curly Bill has cards on his boots tells me he's probably awful at cards. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. he's, he's showing off a little bit too much for someone who's actually good. You know yes. what we haven't seen in a while? Where's Johnny Ringo? He's working on his guitar licks. <laughs> he's just wandering the <laughs> desert. He's just playing the bongo somewhere. Um, so this minute ends with Virgil warning them to take it easy. Um, that, that always works well too. Take it easy. Come on now. Take it easy. Virgil's uh, so mad all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to talk about Virgil this week, but, uh, he's just been drinking at the bar by himself getting cranky. Um, do you, do you have any other notes for this minute, Joe? Uh, my only s- notes for this episode was Sweat Guy continuing to work overtime. All right. Well, tomorrow we have a, a brand new Huckleberry. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Um, and, uh, you know, getting more of that uh, feminine perspective tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have to ask her about cucks. <laughs> uh, amazing. And, she's, and she is uh, very intelligent, so she's probably into it. <laughs> I, that's what the internet told me. <laughs> could be, could be. Uh, okay. I, I'm so I'm so insecure about my intelligence that I'm now I'm getting into cuckolding, just to prove to everybody that <laughs> just I have to a prove high a IQ. point. <laughs> no, I'm really smart. I I can I, prove it. <laughs> I have a prove it. Here's my girlfriend. Take her. <laughs> take my girlfriend. No, really, take her. <laughs> now I'm gonna go over there and and revel in the psychological dismay I'm feeling. <laughs> All right, we will be back tomorrow with uh, Huckleberry Wednesday and uh, Minute 63.